Welcome, everyone. We're live on Berryful Upstream number 46. We're calling this one Milk, and not necessarily because you need to keep up on your calcium intake, but because we had a very interesting Milk and Institute conference for which the BlackBerry CEO, John Chana, and a couple other BlackBerry representatives were also there as well. I want to introduce our cast here today before we get started. As always, we've got Crackberry's Chris, formerly known as Blaze. How are you doing, everybody? Good. Good. Along with us as well, we have Darius Stokes. How you doing, D? What's up, man? What's up? You kind of were on hiatus there, man. Uh, welcome back. Good to have you back on air. Yeah, we've been busy the last couple of Sundays, you know. But uh, no, I'm happy to be back, man. I've been standing to I'm loving the conversations. It's always like great conversations I want to be a part of when I'm not there. But uh, I've enjoyed them, definitely. That's good, man. Definitely great to have you back. And you see, you know, you say you're being busy. That's better than not being busy, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> like, like our other guest, Alex. How you doing, Alex? <laughs> not busy. What? I keep myself busy. I'm doing good. Doing good. Great to hear. And and Brandon, how about you, man? How's it going? You staying warm? Yeah, man. Like it's uh, it's 26 degrees today in Toronto. So finally, you know, I walk out for like two seconds and have a sunburn already. So. Wow. There you go. It's a a sunburn in 26 degree weather. That's a testament <laughs> to how white I am. <laughs> you might need to get some, like, uh, I'm going to send you some uh, some sunscreens, an SPF, like, 80. <laughs> All so our fun. stateside viewers are completely blown right now. They're, like, 26 degrees sunburn. What? Oh, yeah, 26 degrees. I think in Fahrenheit. What is that? That's, like, uh, 78 or something, 76, around there. Yeah, somewhere around there. Oh, I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking like actually 26 degrees. Weather. <laughs> oh man, that's you know, Chris. That's how it is here. Like it's super hot in Florida. I'm yeah. driving. I went down to like Orlando this weekend, and like my right arm burned because the sun coming in from the window. <laughs> so I got there, and I'm like half half cooked, half not cooked. Mom's like, you need to go. You need to go do something about that. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. the other side of your body. <laughs> But how do you do that? Like, do I put a towel on one side and just like yeah. let the other side cook or air? It's ridiculous, man. Maybe you know, maybe with some of our healthcare conversation, we can kind of get to maybe a point where there's actually a solution to our problem there, right? <laughs> maybe our mobile device will be like, time to flip over. You know, you've been cooked on one side too long. <laughs> we have a pretty interesting topic list, as I said. We have the Milken Institute conference. It's a yearly thing. Previously, we had Torsten Hines go to it uh, formally. And it was a really good conversation that he had there as well. So, you know, tossing it in, there was two panels. We had Mark Wilson, chief evangelist. He was there for a marketing kind of collaboration conversation and panel. And we had John Chen, Dr. Patrick Sung Xiong, and a couple other healthcare specialists there on the other side talking about healthcare in the digital age. Um, we will touch on some of those bits, but I want to start out talking about some interviews that were done during this time uh, at the Milken Institute. John Chen did a really great job working with some of the different news media outlets there to start, again, talking about the message, getting BlackBerry's name out in the forefront, and again, behind kind of what they're doing there in terms of the medical space, IoT, security, etc. So we had heard in an interview with, I think, CNBC that there was talks of something brewing in terms of the application ecosystem and, and part of that app strategy. We have Amazon. It's a stopgap, right? It's definitely got us more access to some of those applications. But what do you guys think? After hearing John Chen say that there may be something brewing, what could be brewing that's actually going to solve the problem, right? We, we've seen very recently Windows 10 actually take on the ability to port 
over Android and iOS applications. And it's funny that The Verge actually did their article, and The Verge basically yeah, copied that was great. The, the BlackBerry Playbook press release from 2011 and just swapped out BlackBerry for Microsoft. For QNX. Or, yeah, they, I think they switched QNX out for Microsoft. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. It, I, that was the funniest thing. And all the comments were like, oh, that was like five years coming. Like, how long were you waiting, holding off on that to, to pull that one off? And it's it's probably clever. been drafted for like, <laughs> yeah, who knows yeah, how yeah. long. But, but no, it's an honest conversation, right? It was an honest question from the from the representative at CNBC. Is like, what are you going to do about the application problem, right? That's your quote-unquote Achilles heel. So I want to pass the buck off around here. What do you guys think is an actual strategy to conquer the app problem for BlackBerry? John Chin kind of hinted at maybe there's a new frontier of applications coming, and that's where we want to be, not necessarily on the consumer side. So what are you guys' thoughts? My personal opinion is that they're probably going to try and figure out a way to get more Android apps on the OS, whether that means uh, kind of hyper Android uh, runtime, if you will, or or maybe even just a full Android OS um, with you know specific BlackBerry gestures and, and the hub built in. So you still get that you know BlackBerry 10 experience, but you also get to have that native you no. Know, Android app experience because John Chan was mentioning that their Achilles heel, like you mentioned, is has been applications and and in almost every OS that we see over time. For instance, like Mac OS previously, um, if you look at their laptops, the biggest thing holding them back was that they couldn't get specific programs on those computers. And so it wasn't until recently, when more people have started to use them, that we start seeing applications built for Mac OS and PC. And so I guess it's just kind of you know, that notion of if, if the developers won't come to you, go to where the developers are and where those apps are um, to make your user base happy. And I was mentioning before the blogcast, uh, before the podcast started, that I think personally if they if they brought that um, BlackBerry 10 experience on an Android OS, I think, you know, 75% of BlackBerry 10 users would be content with that. And I think you'll, you'll always have that 25% who really want to stay away from the Android operating system and I think it's just at this point it's a matter of balancing um, some who don't even want the Android runtime stuff. on their device right now yeah, so. yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. They, they wish they could turn off disable it they're like I never use it I don't want to waste the resources I don't want I need to just, just remove it but yeah I, I definitely agree with you Brandon um, I, I kind of want to break down so as some of you might be wondering what you know Windows Phone what they're truly doing with that um, as compared to BlackBerry, so BlackBerry, yes, they have the runtime, so it's kind of like a virtual environment. So when they had Android people porting their app over before, it was still an Android app, but it was running within, all it was is really putting an Android app within BlackBerry world. Whereas what Windows doing, uh, what Windows is planning on doing at least, is actually porting the code, or porting the code over to be like a genuine Windows app, just allowing a Windows app, you know, it's never going to run as well as a you know, raw built Windows app, um, but they're actually using the code so it is genuinely kind of a Windows app rather than running any type of runtime. So the benefit for BlackBerry is, well, we could just embrace the Android ecosystem a little bit more, whereas Windows is still totally reliant on developers. For people to port over the apps, you need the developer of Candy Crush, of Snapchat. Snapchat, for some reason, hates Windows and BlackBerry. He's never going to play port over Snapchat, even if Windows makes it beyond easy, you know, whatever, he's still not going to do it. So there are still some developers that they will not do anything with it. So BlackBerry is still in a unique position, even though we're not talking about iOS right now or anything. But yes, I think we're just going to move more towards Android, keep BlackBerry security there, and 
we really don't know exactly what's going to happen, but it's definitely a unique uh, position to be in. Less, you know, developer requirement for, for their route. I've been jokingly saying it for, like, the past couple of months in the forums and just on Twitter and stuff like that. Everybody's like, well, what's the solution? I, mean, I, just, I just keep saying Android, and that's it. I just leave it at that. It's Android. They're going to do something with Android, you know, whether or not that actually equates to them essentially releasing, you know, the possibility of their own Android device because, as Brandon mentioned, they're taking some of those experiences those BlackBerry 10 specific experiences and bringing them over to Android. So, you know, there there is the possibility that they could essentially go ahead and launch their own Android device at some point in time. Or, you know, maybe they're going to go that uh, hypervisor route. And this is, the hypervisor route is kind of where I get lost because taking, taking the, the Android route specifically and basically building out uh, a device that comes with BlackBerry's own version of Android onto it, and you know, n- not keeping the BlackBerry 10 hardware is realistically the simplest solution. You could do that. You could basically bring some of those BlackBerry 10 experiences to Android, have your own version of Android, um, you know, have everything available, access to the Google Play Store, stuff like that. That's the easiest solution. However. When it comes to, like, say, for example, the hypervisor solution or a dramatically improved Android runtime solution, that's where things still get a little bit sketchy because of the fact that you, you know, you still have to uh, basically make make good with Google at that point in time. You know, uh, you're if if you go with the virtualized solution or anything like that, chances of Google actually being able to say, you know. Yeah, you can run the run the Google Play services on here is pretty much slim to none. You know, you only have that option if you're running pure Android at that point in time to be able to go ahead and access those Google services. And realistically, what it comes down to, that's what BlackBerry needs. The Amazon App Store is fine for a lot of people. However, you know, in order for that Android solution to actually work, people are going to need access to the Google Play Store. You know, because that's that's part of the part of the problem with the Android runtime now is the fact that it doesn't have access to the Google Play Store, at least yeah. not in a simple solution. You know, there there are ways out there that sort of help alleviate the situation, but they're not 100% solutions. You can't just say to like your parents or whatever. You know, you you have to be invested in the solution in order to be able to go ahead and access them. And, and that's the biggest problem with the Android runtime right now. So I don't I don't necessarily know which way that they're going to go, whether it be the hypervisor route or possibly, you know, launching their own Android device, but something clearly John Chen has something in mind that he's working on. So yeah, you know, it, hopefully hopefully we'll we'll see the, the result of that at some point in time. Yeah, and you and bring hopefully up, it doesn't just be blocked. <laughs> and you bring up a good point there. I mean, for instance, for BlackBerry to just put on the Google Play, that would never happen because in terms of the grand scheme of things, Google's not really making the, the majority of their money from app downloads and people paying for apps. They're making most of their money from the entire ecosystem, you know, the data that they get from users and selling those to company that to company. So having a partnership with BlackBerry where they just have a Play Store on the BlackBerry without BlackBerry actually investing in that OS, it's not gonna happen because it's not beneficial to Google. Yep. 
Yeah, they definitely need a partner. They need to expand the partnership. Keep in mind, like, they already have some type of partnership with Google, so it's easier to further, like, uh, work with a partnership, an existing partnership, to do more with it, so they're in a better position than that. It's not like they're just going, like, oh, I hope that Google will work with us. Just like what Chen was saying, you know, Apple, we're more than happy to work with Apple, but it's up to them if they really want to go that, that route. Um, Library seems pretty open right now, right? Chen's like, I'll partner with Apple if they need help on security, and and they do. (laughs) Android as well. I mean, Google's already invested in it. What are your thoughts on it, Darius? Do you think that there's really a a clear strategy ahead in terms of the application problem? I think there's a strategy, you know, do we know it? No. I think the answer is just simply you have to get Google services, but you know, as as Chris has mentioned, is that a it's a long shot, but it's possible. You know, I mean, I feel like the hypervisor thing could you know could could surface, but um, me honestly, I kind of look, I sit back right now, look at the situation. I'm like, well, how does how does iOS survive without Google services? In the same sense, if you look, if you pay attention to the Apple ecosystem, a lot of the, a lot of it is really dependent on Google. Like, a lot of it really is, even though Apple has an extensive ecosystem, like, nonetheless, in terms of applications, right? They, it's like, with with Google, they've been so embedded in terms of the mobile uh, industry when it comes to applications, when it comes to those use of services that you need, whether it be maps or things along that, um, you kind of have to look at, well, how has Apple, you know, been able to get by and succeed and do well? But I feel like BlackBerry, and especially with John Chen, he always says, you know, you have to find that niche. You know, I'm not necessarily here to kill the competition. I'm here to actually work with them, you know, and I'm here to actually take notes from them and say, okay, I can make this work over here. Clearly with, you know, QNX, there are so many different types of solutions that they can do. I just feel like with BlackBerry, like the possibilities are almost endless. It's just which one do we feel is the best option for us and which one do we push forward um, with in terms of supporting that uh, platform. Um, And I think it's like I don't like to pinpoint. I don't know exactly what it is. I just know that they have something like they always have. We we can go back numerous upstreams, right? We're like, well, what do you think they're going to do? And we don't know, but they come with a plan and it works. I just feel like we know all these options. We know all the possibilities they have, and it's just a matter of which one they feel like is going to be the one they can put all their cards in on and say, hey, we, we can get some back from it. Yeah, I, I mean, Apple does, you know, they have their own kind of services. Like, breaking down what they actually are, they have, like, their own Maps equivalent. And same thing with Microsoft. So, like, when someone ports an app over to Microsoft, you have to then use Bing Maps. You can't port your app over to Microsoft and still use Google Maps. You have to use their services. So that's how Apple gets away with it. Um, Along with Google, like, they understand we have to build a native app for Apple. So they do a workaround with that where they're still probably getting data from that, but it's also one of the big players. They understand Apple's big. We need to make Google Maps. We need to make our major Google apps available on Apple. They don't really have to say that about BlackBerry or Windows Phone. So we're really in the problem where there just aren't enough users where Google feels the need to actually develop a native platform. So if that's the case, then we then have to partnership with Google or Apple in order to get those apps. Well, that's simply what it is. I think that's the only thing. It's not necessarily that we're unable to use uh, Google services. I mean, you have these small developers who are, you know, finding these cracks and exposing it. 
and showing you that it's possible. That's why I say there's so many possibilities. It's just a matter of, you know, which one they decide they want to take. Because I feel like, I think at the end of the day, John, John Chen has a lot of pride with BlackBerry, and he doesn't want to use any of these other companies as a crutch. He just wants to use these other companies more as leverage to say, hey, you should really start putting this this way because, or start uh, providing your services, you know, over here. Because, one, I think the my insight in terms of, you know, platforms that people choose later on in the future will be what they feel like is most productive for them. It's going to fall back away from the whole brand thing. And uh, I think he's really trying to get those other CEOs, those other companies on board and have them understand that if you want to secure your future, you, you better start going across the board and stop being selfish. It was cool for, you know, the first eight years or so, but now that the, the mobile game has changed and developed so much, uh, you really have to start kind of sharing the wealth, you know, and, and letting people know that you're able to extend or give them a hand and uh, pretty much get it out there for them. I feel like there's... Sorry, it comes, I feel, um, oh, you can go I feel like there's some parallels uh, between Google and, and BlackBerry in terms of where they want to find themselves. I mean, Google, as we've seen, they're, they're trying to take more of a security focus and trying to really break into that workspace. And as we know, BlackBerry's already got the experience there. So I feel like there there is a potential, you know, you know, universe where BlackBerry could potentially go to Google and say, "Look, we've got the enterprise here." We just don't have the apps, and we know you want to get a foothold in the enterprise space. So is there some middle ground we can come to where we can still retain that security aspect um, but also allow you to have you know, some skin in the game in terms of enterprise? And I think that's a, a completely viable situation if done correctly. And, and for the record, guys, Brandon does want to break into your workspace. He's trying <laughs> right now. Blaze, what were you going to toss in there? I just want to say to Darius' point about like how does Apple survive without Google services? Basically, Apple survives because they, you know, it, it all comes down to the back end of the systems. Realistically, when you take a look at the grand scheme of things, Google has Google services that they they basically run on it. <laughs> and so, you know, all of these apps and all these games and all these things are basically communicating back to Google. So Google is offering up these back-end systems, and Apple is essentially doing the exact same thing. So Apple has, like, iCloud, which we could argue the security problems there till whatever. But the fact of the matter is that service exists, and it is substantially useful in, in terms of the whole Apple ecosystem because you're backing up a lot of your data there. You're backing up your notes, your game data, so on and so forth. All that stuff is there. So... Google is providing these Google Play services. Apple has their own cloud infrastructure that they're using through iCloud and all of the, the backup measures and communication measures and Game Center and stuff like that. Meanwhile, when you when you take a look at BlackBerry's situation, BlackBerry has been actively killing off a lot of that stuff. Uh, the Games app itself is gone. It doesn't exist. You know, it, it's it it's it's done. They bought a company that basically offered sort of the same solution as what Apple did and what Google Play does, but they essentially killed it off. That doesn't exist anymore. It's no longer there. And now we see these BBM-connected games. What are those BBM-connected games using? Well, yeah, they're using BBM, but they're also using Google Play for cloud storage. 
and part of that as well, even even in terms of like the Apple or sorry, the Amazon ecosystem. What does Amazon have? Amazon has Game Circle and cloud backup storage and stuff like that. We don't see a lot of that stuff in terms of BlackBerry. Like I said, BlackBerry has been actively killing off a lot of those additional services because they're not they're not considering them useful in terms of their their security and enterprise focus at this point in time. But realistically, that that's a part of the reason why Apple doesn't necessarily need Google Play services. You know, that's how Apple survives without Google Play services because Google Play services while they are limited on some Apple devices, Apple has all these other secondary services of their own. And same with Amazon. Amazon has Game Circle and Cloud Backup and stuff like that, which, by the way, doesn't necessarily fully work the way that it should on BlackBerry either. So we have the Amazon App Store, but when it comes to stuff like Game Circle and stuff like that, we don't have 100% downright access to that, which is a problem in its own, like, you know, if you're playing, if you download a game from the Amazon App Store, which is absolutely great, how do you actually keep track of your scores and stuff like that? You know, you you lose your spot in the game basically because it doesn't have the 100% access to Game Circle that it should, even though Amazon and BlackBerry have this partnership. So you know, I just wanted to point that out there. That's how. That's at least one part of how Apple survives without those Google services because they have all of their own secondary services that they're making. Use of. With that, with, with that ecosystem they bring, as Chris highlights, you know, they can avoid atrophy. You know, they can they can stop any breakdown from within and just build upon what they have in their in their little garden, so to speak. Whereas, as Chris made great mention of, BlackBerry is literally killing off a lot of those peripherals. Score Loop was awesome. Score Loop was cross-platform, yeah. right? And now it no longer is here. Well, we kind of look at the conversation, and we look at where we're kind of going with it, and, and kind of the end all where we're at. How do you embrace Google without sliding Amazon? You know, you invite this partner in to bring Android applications, but then you just want to supersede them a year later with another solution. Again, it's going to be a very interesting conversation in the management teams and operations when they really look to see how they can do this. And the only way they can really do it is to cannibalize BB10 in the process, and that is obviously what we don't want. But how do you guys feel about, we talked about this a little bit earlier, an Android device that's a BlackBerry and then a BB10 device that is also a BlackBerry? Do you think that that's going to really tarnish BB10? I mean, in my opinion, in my opinion, Native and BB10 died in terms of growth when they killed the development of their really, like the QNX and, and the Cascades and whatnot. When they brought Amazon in, it's like, okay, we're giving up on apps, right? We're not going to pursue native developers in the same way we were. So in the same sense, they're almost not going to pursue their own device development and OS development in the same sense. You look at 3.2 and likely subsequent OSs, all of it is so, so focused on security and privacy. I mean, if you go into 10.3.2 and you look at the privacy section, there's like four new options there that weren't there before. But you go other places of the OS, there's nothing. Browser, now there's a private browser. You know, everything seems for BB10 like it's driving in this very enterprise, non-consumer way. And it's getting a lot of us disheartened. I know, you know Brandon had his article the other day, his editorial, and it touched on a lot of what we talked about last upstream and kind of brought it all together in a cohesive verbalization of kind of how we feel, but we don't want to, right? We don't want to take a dump on the leap. We don't want to take a dump on you know native developers. I mean, we have two native developers here, you know? We want to support the platform as best we can and have tools to evangelize and promote it. 
But imagine how much easier that becomes when there's now just a consumer option. You like BlackBerry, you like some of these pr productive features that Darius mentioned, well now there's actually an OS that's built for you and it has all the apps. How do you do it, you know? How do you do it and make good compromises where you don't shut out partners while embracing others? Anyway, very interesting conversation. We'll move on from there, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Milken Institute and some of the stuff that was announced there. John Chen, in another interview, talked about devices and what he saw potentially coming to light this year in 2015. He mentioned, absolutely, the Leap is already in market. That's our flagship runner for the mid-range all-touch segment. Again, it is that device for fleet upgrades, fleet renewals. Sell it low, sell it a lot, and make sure that gets saturated out there. And then we have the slider device toward the end of the year. We've gone four devices a year, four devices a year, and now we're slowing down. And it seems almost in the same sense that the, the OS development for BB10 has also slowed down in, in a sense, right? By this time, we're, we should see what 10.4 looks like, right? This yep. time last year in February, we had 10.3 already. The red variant, it was super crazy, whatever. But we don't have anything like that. And I know John Chen has talked about you know cutting down on leaks and all this. Yeah. Maybe they are, there's a lot going on that's just uh, under the rug, so to speak. But again, it seems like there's really a transition going on in terms of applications, development, and software where their focus is definitely not on what it used to be. With that being said, right, we have a device hardware roadmap that maybe only has one or two new devices. We have the perhaps the key-in, which is going to be that uh, Porsche design passport. But I think Chris mentioned this. It's the same thing. You know, It's a passport. It's a device that came out September of last year. You know, By the time it comes out, it's going to be old. New, but old. Just like the P9983 Graphite, you know? And of course, Old, but small old. audience. Exactly. Yeah. Not everybody is going to have, you know, two grand to pop out on that passport, right. which they basically already own anyways, you know? So. And that's the that's kind of like that turnaround frame anyways on Porsche Design Devices. It's like a year after its initial release. So I, I really kind of hate that it's even counted as a device on, it, on the roadmap, to be honest with you, because, I mean, it's... It's a BlackBerry device, but I feel like it's not a BlackBerry device at the same time. It's somebody else's twist on it, and it's, as, as you said, it's a small audience. I don't know. It's just, they're kind of annoying. It's a big profit audience, yeah. but, you know, it's yeah. still a small audience. Right. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, of what most people, if like an outsider looking at BlackBerry, the Porsche design devices aren't even like a blip on the radar when it comes to no. viewing the company as a whole or even as someone who's part of that ecosystem. It's not even like a blip on it if you're a developer. It's not a blip on it if you're a consumer. It's not a blip on it if you're, you know, if you're just someone analyzing the company. I mean, it's it's a product that, that's there. It's a status symbol. Um, they keep those products there for BlackBerry, but it's not necessarily... Uh, I could be wrong in this, but my impression is that it's not necessarily that significant of a of a product in terms of their, their entire... No, and they're, they're probably not making much much money from it either. And, like, it's kind of funny because my brother started watching House of Cards, and in Season 1, a few one of the guys has a Porsche design, the, the 9930 or the 9900, I think. And I, I point out to him because my brother likes BlackBerry. He's like, oh, hey, look, he's got the Porsche design BlackBerry. My brother's like, Porsche designed a BlackBerry, like the, the car company? That exists. Like, yeah, yeah. Like so, like I, as the general general person has no idea that it even exists. Just probably the wealthy people know of it, which is kind of weird because what kind of status symbol is that if the general person doesn't even recognize it as being the Porsche expensive? Like, what kind of status symbol is it if you don't recognize Gucci? 
right? Like, it's it's kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like the thing is, like, Porsche design, I mean, they, of course, like, if for just general consensus, like, they design a ton of things. Uh, I mean, if you look on their channel, you see that they do so many other things. So I think people are familiar with Porsche design, and I'm not saying that's, like, a large number of people, but people know what, like, you know, if you're into um, design and, you know, whatnot, then I'm sure you kind of have heard, have heard of Porsche design. But as far as knowing that they do specifically BlackBerry devices, yeah, that's like clearly off the radar. Bro, they have a two hundred or $2,000 hookah. Right. I was just about to say that. I was like, Chris, Chris elucidated me to a Porsche design hookah. It's smart connected, <laughs> NFC capable. Uh <laughs> Can I was like, air pressure that is ass hookah ever. Yeah, I want it. I really want it. Like, as soon as I seen it, I was like, I need one of those. Bro. That is awesome. But, like, who's going to take that? Like, I'm going to go outside with that. Like, no, I'm going to, like, keep no. that locked yeah, exactly. somewhere. Never get seen. But, you know, again, we're talking about the hardware roadmap here. And don't think of it as a bad thing for those watching, right? right. Just because you're getting less devices, they're probably putting a lot more time into building those devices the marketing strategy behind making them successful, et cetera, et cetera, right? If you're just running through, tossing devices, hoping something sticks, that's not smart. That's not good business. That's wasteful on operations. So if you can really hone in and say, this is our device, this is its market, you can really drive and make those devices profitable. That being said, I mean, you sell 25 leaps in one P9984, you probably make about the same amount of money. So <laughs> it's an interesting I think Chen's comments basically lead to like, you know, these are the devices that we have upcoming. These are the ones that we know of. They may come this year. They may not come this year. They'll come basically when they're ready. I, I, I think that was pretty much the point that he was getting across in terms of like, you know, he didn't necessarily, you know, I don't think that you could say that like it was a delay or anything like that. It's a conscious decision to basically hold some of those devices back until the timing is appropriate because he's managing the inventory levels, you know, the way that he is at this point in time so that they don't have too much inventory. They don't have stuff just sitting around laying in some warehouse somewhere waiting to be bought that, you know, potentially may not be bought. You know, I think, I think that's what he was trying to get across when he actually said uh, the comments about in, in the device terms for release dates and stuff like that. I, I think it, Probably just went a little bit too far, like people looking into it a little bit too much. But it, it, John Chen's always been a CEO as well to underestimate and then overdeliver, right? So yeah. he wants to set up a perception where you know you're only going to get two devices this year, you know, and those other ones are going to come when they're ready. But he'll probably stick to his guns and actually bring those devices one way or another, right? Yeah, it seems like yeah. a very methodical approach. Like he, he, he knew exactly what he was doing. There you go. He's so on point. I, I love hearing him speak because. He speaks as if, you know, the path is so, so clear ahead. He's like, no, this is what I'm doing. Here's, here's where we're headed, you know. And for us on the outside looking at it, especially from the consumer side, you know, we have questions still. So we're going to see how that execution comes. I know personally, and I kind of wanted to gauge you guys here as we transition into a talk about the healthcare and, and John Chan and Patrick's uh, conversation that they had therein. But what do you guys feel about devices and the way that they're going to head forward? And what I mean by that question is, do you really think that there's going to be a, a real focus for these devices to be seen and marketed in a general sense? I mean, you have like a prosumer niche, right? And then you have like an enterprise focus. 
So what about that gray area? You know, What do you do about the rest of it that's not really spoken to from a marketing and or brand awareness perspective? Do you guys really think that they're going to be able to deliver on that while they diversify their software offering? Brandon's argument in his article more or less was you've got great software, but no, people don't know about it. So again, it's the same kind of problem. You come out with a brand new OS, it runs Android, it has all these cool services that are BlackBerry built with BlackBerry security. How do you how do you get that brand awareness out there so people can actually engage with it? Is it a grassroots thing or is it a you know higher level marketing that trickles down? Um, yeah, and, well, sorry, and that that was one of the things I was trying to touch on essentially is that the sometimes everybody looks at it and they say, oh, it's a marketing issue. They got to market it and attract new people, but you know. If you focus on the people that are there already, sometimes with a little bit of effort, you can get those people to do the marketing for you. Um, that's basically one of the aspects I was touching on. Uh, go ahead, QB. Sorry, I had to unmute myself. Um, <laughs> Brandon, that was a great article, by the way. I enjoyed reading it for uh, people. Well, no one knows, but I contacted Brandon, and I was thinking of doing a collaboration with him on the uh, editorial. Um, but um, there's other reasons why I didn't. But anyway, I, in, in response to like what James is saying, I do know that BlackBerry does care very much, and they are working on it. What it is exactly uh, is still being sorted out, but uh, they're very much aware of the lackluster uh, performance that they have uh, marketing-wise. They're very aware of the lack of communication and the confusion between consumers, prosumers, and uh, their products and services. They're well aware of that. There's some things going on in the background, um, but uh, it's not helping. It's still not helping. Uh, it needs to be sorted out uh, ASAP, and it's encouraging that they at least acknowledge it. They hear everybody, and they're working on it. They're making, you know, they're, they're doing their best to make the appropriate maneuvers to get their marketing strategy on par with um, what it ought to be with, with, with their products and services because you got great stuff coming out and no one knows what they are. Uh, Brandon touched base on excellent points. That for those who haven't read it, you should go on Berryflow and uh, read it. And it's it's just accurate, you know. It, it's just accurate. Um, but in defense, they're well aware. They are working on it. No timetable though. <laughs> no timetable on the turnaround, right? John Chen's been in a year. What do you in five years when he's done, right? I think they're going to be strong again in enterprise, strong in software, and then we might see more of that other focus we're looking for. But you, you know, you got to build there, and part of the road to build there is healthcare. Healthcare seems to be one of the major, major verticals that they want to head into. Not only are, did they build the M Health box to connect medical devices into the IoT through BlackBerry's infrastructure. But as well, they've got now the genomics browser, which they're plumbing through on passport devices, which can literally laser in on different uh, anomalies in, on the cellular level. Just really cool stuff uh, in terms of the growth and where they can take this. But again, the issue underlining all of that is going to be security, right? Medical records, I think hundreds of millions a year are tarnished by online hackers and different uh, sources that end up letting that information get out. So information security is going to be a prevailing thing moving forward. As many hands as BlackBerry can have in helping that security exchange happen, the more money they can make, right? I'm excited to see where they're going to go. The NAT Health system alone touches 3 million, uh, 
lives in the United States alone. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they can scale that, broaden it, and then further work to monetize it. Did any of you guys happen to catch the Healthcare in the Digital Age uh, panel that was done with Dr. Patrick Soon Xiong of Nan Health? We had uh, John Chen from BlackBerry and a couple other big wigs in the healthcare space talking about the problems, talking about potential solutions, and where they see the market being. What were some of you guys' input from it? What, did you like the panel? It was interesting to see BlackBerry there, and uh, it, it seems like some interesting kind of uh, social qualms going back and forth with some users not on a BlackBerry, who probably should be. That he, he didn't talk too much though. I skipped around and I and I watched the part where he mainly talked. And I think out of the whole thing, he probably talked for a total of like seven minutes out of like the fifty-seven minute thing. Yeah, um, but it was interesting, you know, to an extent. I mean, I'm not even gonna lie. I watched it, but didn't understand ninety percent of it. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't anything new. Uh, a lot of the stuff they talked about were things that they've been beating into our heads for the past few months in terms of their. Uh, where they see QNX's place in uh, the healthcare industry and what they, they foresee will happen in the healthcare industry. So it wasn't anything really new. It's just nice to see them out there, you know, getting some exposure um, so that more people draw links between BlackBerry and the healthcare industry. Yeah, the one thing I can say is, like, uh, they, when you look at, like, the other companies, Samsung and Apple, and how they are kind of trying to step into the whole health, uh, spectrum of it, um, it's like they they really sound like they know what they're talking about in terms of really, uh, you know, utilizing Cunix to, you know, help uh, patients and help them as well in terms of research and, and, and furthering, uh, you know, the, the health um, world. Um, it's like you, you kind of see these apps that are like heart monitors tracking how many calories you burn, whatever, you know, it's kind of like, okay, that's pretty basic application that you have, but these guys are really on, they, they really want to pioneer in terms of getting this into the consumer's hands and allowing them to see things on a more in-depth uh, ratio, so to speak. Um, and that's what I really like. And it's, 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 it doesn't sound like they're rushing it at all either. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, they're saying that it's coming along fine. We still continue to work with it on a day-by-day -day basis. Um, then that's what I really, you kind of have to appreciate those things. You're not just giving it to people and saying, here, here it is, and it's half-baked. You know, it, it's really something they're taking the time to working with. They, they, you know, demo it, give you a glance of it to show you that, hey, we really are working on this, and these are the steps we took, but we want to give, pretty much when we give it to you, we don't want to say that, oh, my God, there's, this is great, but there's so much room for improvement. They want to give it to you and be like, well, what, what, what can I not do with it? So it kind of gives you a little confidence, actually, when you sit and listen to them, even though you may not understand a lot of the medical relations uh, with it, but uh, it, it does sound good on the, for the most part, though. Yeah, I think it was um, great that he was there, his presence, showing support, showing the collaboration, showing the partnerships. It's active, it's live, it's evolving. I don't think this is something they could deliver half-baked, even if they wanted to, because it's just so <laughs> many, it's such an enormous task and so many people involved and such enormous amount of uh, money involved. So it'll mature when it matures and they'll keep people, you know, educated as it keeps moving forward. Um, and, you know, it's an exciting development. You know, uh, we got the gimmick. Uh, Darius was just mentioning, like, you know, with the smart watches and stuff and the heartbeat. Like, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's easy. It's like anyone can do that. Anyone can do that, um, pending if you have a tattoo or not. Anyone knows what the, what the deal with that is? I <laughs> 
don't know. Read I don't about that? Like it doesn't work if you have like a tattoo. Yeah, or no, I, I heard that it's like tattoo gate. Yeah, it's like the new one with the, the green. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Really. They call it tattoo gate. It's it's kind of crazy. But a guy he had to watch on and it couldn't read his pulse correctly because of his tattoos and. It's the I green probably, lasers that are used. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as everybody will probably shit on me for saying it's not just an Apple thing either. Fitbits have the exact same problem because right. they use green lasers. Just an embedded problem. Maybe maybe they can get some uh, some further development there. Because a lot of these, these devices are going to start being connected together, right? So I can sit down on my laptop and bam, there's my heart rate from the jog I just did. And maybe some analytics from it. But it's not contained on one app, you know? It's spread across multiple applications. It sends over to my doctor so he knows I'm doing my exercise, but, you know, for my rehabilitation, etc. And now the All world can work will know. together, you know? Make it efficient. Make it productive. The world will know how stressful everyone's job is, and they're going to start posting how stressful all everyone's heart There's going to be an app social network around that. Yeah, you're right, man. They're going to be like, how stressful is your job? And everyone's going to upload their... Um, their day, the daily stressnetwork.com or something. <laughs> Stressed <Yeah>. out. <laughs> Someone right now is like, everybody's going to know how much physical exercise I don't get. <laughs> <laughs> Refrigerator walks. Burning calories to then to intake calories, yeah. my man. <laughs> you know, we talk about healthcare, right? And it seems that healthcare has a really strict loyalty to security. Everyone wants that to be such a secure arena, right? You don't want patient medical records, their private and personal inner workings, who they are on a medical level to be out there for people to look at, pine and absorb. So security seems to have a very tightly knit loyalty with medical. And as well automotive, right? The key focus of what an automotive is is transportation that is secure. I can get on a bike if I want to go somewhere, right? But if something hits me, I'm more likely to survive that car accident than being on a bike, you know? Again, it's all about the security layers and BlackBerry working on that bottom line to really enhance those different verticals. So when we talk about loyalty, it's great to see BlackBerry taking some of their marketing initiatives, focusing, on, focusing them on the areas that they're doing well, like in India, and focusing again on a, a loyalty program they've just rolled out to help give some users some of their money back when they purchase a new BlackBerry 10 device. Again, if you can work on that baseline, your verticals can expand. What do you guys think about a loyalty program? I wish I was in India right now because my device would have been cheaper by quite a bit, right? <laughs> I think the loyalty programs are good, and they actually they keep popping up for places like India and Indonesia and stuff like that. And yeah, I don't, I think it's great to help them push out some devices and get some money back because it seems as though that the prices, at least judging from some of the comments. The prices may be a little bit higher in those regions um, based on what some 